everybody welcome to another pro report top five really really cool one very excited for this episode uh we're gonna do the top five flying color songs and the timing's always good sometimes if we get an, an album or an artist that's just released something and we can line up the interview uh it's always fun to get them to do this while the album is just out and we can talk about it and, and in this case the album uh third degree was just released hopefully everybody has it it's amazing and uh so Help, helping me on this one is somebody you're all familiar with. Mr. Jeff Bailey is back. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Yeah, and who, who else could you possibly have that could talk about flying colors better than me? Hmm? Well, <laughs> well, <Maybe>. you know, <laughs> we, well, we, you know, we've had uh, this guy on uh, actually quite a few times, five or six at this point, because you know what? When you release two or three albums a year, you're going to do a lot of interviews, and that's what sort of happens. But I'm um, yeah. very happy to welcome uh, Neil Morse back to the show. Neil, thanks for being here. Glad to be here. How are you guys doing today? Very, very Do well. Very well. Um, again, we're all from all corners of, you know, different uh, areas of the United States. And Jeff's over in Ireland. And, uh, you know, all... Northern Ireland, excuse me. What's that? Northern Ireland. Northern Correct. Ireland. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so with time zones, we're finally able to figure this out. Uh, so, like I said, we're going to do the top five flying color songs. And Neil has been gracious enough to spend an hour and pick a few of his favorites. And we'll talk about all the songs and everything. Uh, but, Neil, I want to ask you, you know, just like we do, uh, what's the latest? I know you just finished Transatlantic uh, sessions recently. Uh, you know, what can you tell us? I know it's very little, but what can you tell us about that and, and anything else that's sort of going on? Uh, yeah, the transatlantic sessions in Sweden, and of course I've been doing these uh, live shows with Flying Colors, so uh, we did New York and Philly last week, and then we're uh, playing uh, Chicago on Thursday, and uh, that's really, really fun. Um, there's a special chemistry, in it, and um, we really enjoy playing together. I mean, it's really great to be with in these different bands, and... Uh, as soon as we start playing, you know, maybe there's some, you know, traveling can be difficult or, you know, sometimes the music business, the business side of things can have difficulties. Yeah. But it's so great when you just, when you get into the music and the hearts of the people, you know, it's like, because music is such a hard thing. And it's just cool that we all really enjoy playing together as much as we do in both in, tra in both transatlantic and flying colors you know so uh, yeah the flying color was really really enjoyable I, I really had a good time in philadelphia and transatlantic yeah wow 10 days in sweden yeah Ooh. that Have was you, a, that was that was a trip and a half man did you guys ever record out there before was it, or was it always in nashville when you did things um the first record was recorded in new york kind of upstate New York. Um, and the second one was recorded at Dark Horse in Franklin, Tennessee, for the most part. Some of it was done in my house. And uh, then the Whirlwind and Kaleidoscope were both done here at my studio, at least the primary tracking. You know. 
So yeah, it was a new experience. My wife went with me. God bless her. <laughs> it was really nice for me, and uh, I, I really appreciate. It. I mentioned your comment, Jeff. Uh, I think she texted you, didn't yep. she? Uh-huh. And you said, and you said something like, "Oh, I'm so glad you're with him. Now we won't have to hear more songs about how much he misses you." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was great. But, but you managed to take in some coffee shops, so right. there's 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 a rich seam of material to draw from. I'm right. sure. <laughs> more songs about my wife and drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can always use more of those. Uh, yeah, I thought we were we were buried there for uh, buried. We were you know, <laughs> in it for uh, ten straight days uh, with. Travel days on either side, so it was. It was actually. I mean, I, I had some stuff scheduled for when I got back, and I was actually tired to do very much for a couple of days after I got back. I mean, it was. It was an intense time, and very fruitful. Well, very cool, and and you know, coming up is actually uh, the 10th anniversary of the whirlwind, which is. Uh, I, I well, we're recording this a little earlier than that. It, this might air around this, you know, similar time or even after that. But in October, uh, yeah, ten years of that album, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. I didn't realize that until uh, Mike mentioned it. We shot a video when we tell you about it. Yeah, no, that's a, uh, I mean, pretty cool. I mean, amazing. The band has been around that that long. I saw um, online recently from uh, one of the Flying Color shows. You guys put Love Letter into the set, which I thought was pretty cool. And I would have thought that with all the vocal harmonies, that might have been super challenging. Was it was it hard to pull off live? Well, it's a pared down version. We didn't use any samples or anything like that. So all those big stacks of bop bops and all that stuff is just yeah. me and Mike kind of going, mm, bop, bop. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to jump out of the bop bops and sing my alternate line. like So I go like, Every tear becomes a line. So, but I, I think it's cool. I mean, people understand that. And, sure. Um, lots of groups have done that. You know, you don't expect to hear the orchestra come in. You know, on the, you know, I, I don't know. I think Queen did a lot of pared down versions. Yeah. And still enjoy it. So, I yeah. saw. I saw a video of it on YouTube. I th- I thought it sounded really really good. It In did, fact, yeah. That was a... where I was going. Are they using a track there? And then I was no, no, it's not. It's just that's that's the three of them doing it. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's working, and we're just having a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how does it? How does it? How does it work? You know, obviously there's quite large gaps between, or relatively large gaps between the shows as compared to. You know the normal touring schedule of four or five nights in a row. How does that? How does, does that affect things? Does that make it better? Does that make it worse? Does it? Well, you know, it is a double-edged sword, I suppose. Uh, on, the, on the one hand, you're fresher. You know, um, for example, in New York, man, my voice was in really good shape. You know, better than it usually is. You know, if you're singing night by night by night, you know. Yeah. So our voices are in better shape, but I think that we are a little looser than we would be as a band. If you're playing it every night, you know, every day at soundcheck, you go over the things that were, that you messed up the night before. So you get tighter and tighter every show. 
And the, but that's happening anyway, really. I think Philly was tighter than New York. Although it's not all about that, you know, it's all about, you know, it's live shows are about much more than like how well you played or how tight it was. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. New York had a special energy about it. It had a kind of wildness about it that was really fun. And uh, so, yeah, it's a thing, I, especially when there was a month between shows. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I really, that was one of the things I had to do in Sweden. Towards the end of the Sweden sessions, I got my little practice keyboard out in the whole hotel room and I start practicing Love Letter because hmm. Mike's adding songs to the set list. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> well like it, it was really this clash in my mind because when i'm when i'm working on an album i just get consumed and it's and i'm trying to sleep but all the themes and all the song ideas are just looping and looping and looping and it's just like blaring in my head and then all of a sudden like oh love letter needs to come in so <laughs> right. this, this, this like clash of all that i'm trying to inject love letter into all this other stuff but it all worked out. It turned out great. But it's, it's sometimes it's hard to multitask like that. That's that's funny for you, for someone like you that is so uh, involved with doing music twenty four seven and writing all the time and and recording all the time. Is your mind ever off? You know, can you ever turn off the music in your brain and think about something else? I try. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't doesn't always happen, but I do try. I used to have a friend that said that everybody has music playing in their mind all the time. And he would, he would ask his sister, like, what is it? And she would say, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or whatever it was. Like, they, 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 we always have music playing with the listen. I do. I suffer from that. Um, all right. So, uh, well, cool. Let's go ahead and, and get started. Um, what we're, we'll do, we have each five songs. We'll start with number five and each say our five, and then we'll each say our four and we'll go around. And Neil, any stories, any things you want to share would be great. Um, if you're ready, I'll let you go first with your number five Flying Color song. Well, I figured I'd start at the beginning. I'm not going to rate them like whether they're better than one another. Sure. I, I'm, I'm going to go chronological. And, and I really like uh, the songs from the first record that it seems like most other people really love. Uh, as well, you know, so I'd start with the first song that we wrote together, which would be Kayla. Okay, great. Yep. And um, what stories I have about that, let's see. So, <laughs> was Casey didn't know, we didn't know each other. And Casey thought, oh, I'm going into a prog band. I don't really know much about prog, but I know that they do things in odd time signatures. And I know that they do concept albums hmm. so and it was quite a long time ago and uh i don't know vampires and stuff were kind of popular at the time so, <laughs> <laughs> so he had this idea about like a lot of these songs like the working lyrics that he had were about like vampire but not just vampires <laughs> vampire redemption story okay like, yeah <laughs> Field vampires. <laughs> <laughs> so he had all these lyrics. That's why on some of the, there's that line on one of the songs on the first record, I forget the name of it, where it talks about like how food doesn't taste good to me or I can't eat food. And 
You know how vampires can't eat at certain times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what was really strange on the first record was, uh, well, I, it was strange for me. I, it was just an unusual way to work. We, we, we wrote the music. And uh, so, so Casey brought in anything that he had that was in odd time. So the verse is in seven, right? And we didn't really, you know, we just kind of had this working lyric that was called Daylight oh. for the vampire. Because, like, you yeah. know, he was sort of longing for daylight, but he couldn't stand to have daylight, I guess was the <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. We left one another, and I went on vacation. And instead of shutting my mind off, as we were talking about, I was sitting on a beach with my kids, and I was writing possible lyrics for the first album. And so I, I felt like that song lended itself to a girl's name. I can't really explain why. So I did this alternate lyric with Kayla. But then when we printed, presented kind of, Casey had a set of lyrics and I had a set of lyrics. And we got together with Peter Collins, the producer. And he would kind of choose line by line what he liked. So some of it was still had to do with the vampire redemption, if you <laughs> liked. The so to me, it was all very unusual that the producer would actually participate in the choosing of the lyrics. But he did. And obviously it was successful because, you know, these are great songs. That's but, amazing. Uh, yeah, that's funny. But so it's like that's why there's some of these lines about, um, like in the bridge, the part that I sing. Oh, come to a place where you want to stay. Darkness will leave you along the way. You know, it's kind of yeah. like God, God singing to this vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be redeemed. Was, uh kind of the thing and um, as far as the music goes it was really uh, Casey brought in that verse and then we wrote the rest of it I believe in the room that opening riff is obviously Steve right and then uh, I think we had uh, a different chorus and then uh, we you know wrote this other chorus in the room and it's, it turned out so good song yeah me too one of my one of my favorites off that first album um yeah amazing all right cool jeff you want to go 
And of course, it should be said there have been children named after that song. <laughs> yeah, Isn't right. right. As well, a good a good friend of ours. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Okay, um, so my first one, um, I I have sort of tossed the coin between two songs, and this is sometimes difficult to do in these things. But I decided to go with Blue Ocean, the first track on the first album, and I suppose obviously. Um, it's the it's the lead into the first album. It's the lead into a brand new band, and it it really is set up in that way with all the individual instruments and kind of studio chatter. And I suppose I remember, you know, we'd read a lot about the band and who was in it, um, and um, I remember listening to that song and thinking it was really good that um, pretty early on Neil sang part of it. And then, of course, there was that the part where Casey sings the first verse, and then Neil sort of sings the the bridge part, and then the second verse, you switch it around. Um, and I also remember again my first Flying Colors gig on the first tour, um, and that kind of take me in the chorus, and the hands are in the air, and you know the crowd are you know totally behind everything by the time you get to there. Um, to me, it sounds a bit like a song that came out of a jam. Um, certainly there's bits of it, the guitar solo and stuff, and it sounds, you know, it sounds pretty spontaneous, not a whole lot of overdubs. Um, but I don't know whether that's the case, Neil. Uh, that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it was a riff, like a, yeah, it was like a jammy bass riff, and then, but you know what? I rem- I think that the basis for a lot of this songs or some of it was from the original demo sessions. I had this thing happen that was quite an experience. Um, I don't know how deep to go into it, but um, there was a guy a long time ago, like that I met uh, that told me uh, he wanted to introduce me to this guitar player that was a pilot. And he, <laughs> he really felt something in the, from the Lord about getting us together. Uh, and he asked me if I've ever heard of a guitar player named Steve Morse. And I said, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, I'd love to. I didn't think much more about it, but like, yeah, yeah, sure, hook us up, man. You know? And then I, I didn't hear anything about it. But, but that guy wound up dying. He was a pilot. That's how he knew Steve. Well, he wound up dying in a plane crash. And I never heard any more about it. But it always stayed with me. I always remembered that. And then when Bill Evans said to me, hey, would you like to write with Steve? Uh, that would have been six years later, something like that, 2007, 2008, is, I think is when we first started talking about it. Because it was a long time after that that we actually got together. But I remember we, uh, so Steve and I would talk on the phone every once in a while, and he was going to fly his plane up here some, at some point, and we were going to write together. But it just, you know, we'd schedule something, and then he would get too busy. Uh, you know, I remember t- speaking on the phone team from Europe, and even like we kept trying to get together, and time was just going by like years. And then I believe Bill called me and said, hey, I just talked to Steve. He's got this week, like Wednesday and Thursday, he's free, but you're going to have to go down there. 
And I was like, really? And I, I'm really not generally somebody who's like dying. How should I put this? I'm not really dying to collaborate with people. <laughs> like, I'm not like, oh boy, I get to, I'm going to go like catch the next plane to Timbuktu to go collaborate with someone. You know? <laughs> Normally I'm like, well, I don't know if it works out, it works out. But, but it was really because of this thing that I felt from the Lord, honestly. And I remembered that wish of that guy from so long ago. And so I bought a last minute plane ticket and I flew down there and I drove all the way from Tampa to Steve's place. I, I'm just saying that because I've not, not to emphasize the negative, but to just to say that I, these are not things I would normally do really. But I, I mean, I did want to collaborate with Steve, of course. Um, anyway, so I wound up, uh, being there with Steve for two days and it was so cool. I stayed in his house and there's, there's times when you're collaborating, when you're in the room together that are just really special. Like there's a, we, we just started just talking, you know, there was this talk about this super group and things and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, how down are you with all that stuff? All the, you know, there was some hype going on. And uh, we both just kind of looked at each other and went, we don't care about any of that. Let's, <laughs> there's, let's see if there's any musical magic here. That, that, that's all that matters. Yeah. And I told, I was like, yeah, we just totally agreed. Let's just put all the, any other considerations aside and we just wrote. And so we, I have those demo sessions somewhere where we just kind of, we wrote a lot of frameworks of songs. Uh, some of them got used, some of them didn't. But I think, I think that, I think the beginning of Blue Ocean might have been one from those sessions. I think so. And maybe the chorus was as well. I'd have to listen to remember. But I know for sure that the slow song from that, album was from that and, and what was the name of that one is it uh, uh everything changes or no not everything changes yeah, that has one. that's the one with the line about how the vampire can't eat any food <laughs> <laughs> no it's the one about uh better than walking away than walk, right, yeah. That's it. okay yeah that that was really framed up at steve's house and so was much of, in, of infinite fire it was framed up at steve's house that between the two of us, of course, it all, you know. It, it, when I say framed up, you know a lot. Of, you, you know, uh, you know how it is. Because yeah. there's the, the sort of the framework, but then everybody else kind of puts their hand in the pie and it changes up. But, uh, anyway, um, yeah, that's what I remember about Blue Ocean was some of it was from those initial sessions.
my my brief memory uh, of seeing the one of the first shows. I don't know if it was the first show you guys did. It was in New York, or it was the second one. If maybe if you played in California first, I'm not. I don't remember. Um, it was either the first or second show you guys ever did, and uh, I flew up to New York to see it. And uh, I, I, an amazing show. But I remember when you opened with Blue Ocean and. Mike started his thing, and then Dave started the bass, and everybody came out, and then you were you came out, and your keyboard wasn't working, and then it took like ten minutes. For you, and they just kept doing the opening drum bass thing until you got the keyboards working. Uh, I remember that. It's happened to me. I guess that's happened to me so many times. I've blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> it really has. <laughs> but uh, but that was an amazing, amazing show. People that texted me, they they they, they, they think I'm really paranoid because I'll like, I'll ask them like five times, did you check all my stuff? Is it all making sound? Is it all in my monitor? Did you check my vocal? Did you check? You know, they're like, gosh, what's happened to this guy? <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna go uh, with my number five. Um, I'm gonna go to the new album, and. I, I wasn't sure where to place this song because I love it so much and it could have been further up, but I, I don't know. I had a hard time ranking these. Um, but I'm going to go with Love Letter for number five. And, uh, you know, it just is uh, from the first minute I heard the album. And, you know, we're all about Prague here and I like Prague and I like the 30-minute transatlantic songs and I, I love all that stuff. But the the song that hooked me first right away was this one off the, the new album. I just think it's so great that I just felt like the whole world needs to hear this song. It's so just undeniably great. Um, you know, Prague, not Prague, pop, whatever you want to call it. You know, I just think it's so fantastic and so just well-written and hooky and has all the Beatles, you know, Beach Boys, Jellyfish things in there that I love so much, and I know you guys love too. Um, I just think it's tremendous, and I'm I'm glad to see. I feel like it's gotten a really great response from the fan base, you know, and and people are very open to uh, the fact that you guys do songs like this, and I think it's that's what makes this band special is that you do songs like this. So um, yeah, I gotta go with Love Letter. I think, and I'm I'm wondering. When you write a song like this, and, and when you're writing in the style of this, one of the things that sticks out to me is also the production of it. You right, you got to have that certain keyboard sound, that super trampy, you know, keyboard, and Dave LaRue's bass is way up front, almost like Paul McCartney playing. I mean, do you do you tweak things for a song in the style that it is to make sure it even conveys it more? If that makes sense. Well, you know, you listen to each song and, and record what you feel like it wants. You know, to me, the electric piano just seemed like, you know, it's it's obviously got that uh, kind of you're my best friend vibe. Yeah. From, uh, Queen. Uh, um, the, that was written at Steve's house in the sessions probably, what, I don't know how many years ago now, three years ago or whatever it was. Hmm. Um, and the sessions were almost done, and I was thinking – See, one of my favorite tracks was one that I almost had nothing to do with writing, uh, which was um, Love is What I'm Waiting For in the first album. Right. And I sort of felt like, oh, man, it would be great to have something like that. So I think everybody was getting coffee or something like that. And I started toying around with that with the verse. And maybe I had a verse and a, 
and a little bit of a B section, they came back in and I started playing that for them. And I think, as I recall, there was a little bit of a feeling like, oh, you know, we only have, I think the session was about to end. Like we didn't have very much time. I think there was only a couple hours before we had to leave. And uh, I remember sort of feeling like, well, should we even pursue this? Do we have time? Then I'm like, hey, man, I don't know. I feel like it's something like this. Maybe we could knock out really quickly. And obviously we did. Uh, Steve kind of came up with the intro and the, the guitar solo figure. And uh, Casey and I kind of shaped the chorus. And I, I want to say we wrote this song uh, without lyrics in like 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is so cool. The lyrics, much longer. I <laughs> I start hashing out lyrics I've never experienced anything like it I mean he is I, I've I filmed a bunch a bunch of it we did this this last album we, we worked on Skype as because we couldn't make it to our schedules just couldn't align and uh, I filmed a bunch of it because it, to me it's like pretty amazing like Casey is like um, I like that line but that that one word where it's just like uh in the cool of the night. I just don't want, I just can't feel cool. Uh, in the, in the, uh, it's like, well, what do you, you know, we, we will spend sometimes literally 20 minutes on one word. <laughs> I just, sometimes I, I feel like I'm losing my patience, but I realize that this is, he's the guy singing it. He's got to feel it. One classic yeah. example of that was uh, the song Cadence on the new album. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I was feeling like it wanted to be a female name. So the working one that I had was Chelsea. Chelsea, you're losing time again. <laughs> you know, and uh, I knew that they, I knew the whole band wasn't into it from different things that were said. And uh, I just, I just, you know, when Casey and I got together, I was like, Here's my working lyric. What do you have? He's like, oh, I don't really have anything on this. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know what other girls' names you have. So I, I sat there with my phone and I looked through. He, he was down with, with the whole lyric, I think. I don't think we changed very much. But, man, he was just he just couldn't say he was not going to go with Chelsea and we tried another name. And So I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally got my phone out and I'm looking at, like, unusual girls' names that start with a C. <laughs> and I just read them I read them to him and Cadence was like the third one because it's C-A 
right? So I don't remember what the other ones were, but as soon as I hit cadence, he's like, that's it. Okay, I love the song now. I love it. Before that, he was kind of like, man, I'm just not feeling the song. I don't know, man. Maybe we should cut it. Like, he was really down on it. And as soon as that word changed, he's like, oh, cadence, because it's your name, but it's also about, like, the cadence of time. Yeah. I, li- <laughs> I mean, I, to me, it's per- perfect, because the next line about losing time again, and I thought, that's a brilliant right. thing to work with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it exploded in his mind, and he starts doing his full spaceman thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. That's great. super cool. Uh, all right. Awesome. Uh, okay, Neil, Rebecca, you for number four. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the first album again, and that's going to be uh, The Storm. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, that's another one. Let's see. I think, as I recall, musically, musically, it was in the morning of one of the sessions of that week, and I, I was toying around with that verse. And I think I was toying around with the chorus, too. Um, but yeah, we wrote it in the room and messed about with it a lot. I know Kate, Steve and I butted heads about the chords and the verses. That's why there's different chords on the first verse and the first half of the verse and the second half. <laughs> that was our compromise. Huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, the lyrics um, are really about the same subject as the whirlwind. Um, basically, you know, how God works in the storms of our lives to create things that he couldn't otherwise create. And the funny thing about that is all of that stuff came from a night in Belgium at a home church that was, I thought, an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it was super long. I mean, like the kids were pretty little. And this meeting started at 7 and was going strong at 10.30. <laughs> I remember Will looking up and going, Dad, Dad, make him stop. I'm like, I can't. Stop. <laughs> but it, it's about quarter to 11 this lady like and they just sit there in silence till somebody felt to say something and this lady gave her testimony at like almost 11 o'clock i swear to god wow. and it was about how she went on vacation and there was this huge storm and she felt like god she was asking god why did you bring us here in this storm and then the storm abated and she went out for this walk and God showed her all this stuff that he did in the storm. You know, she saw all the trash dredged up in the water and was like, well, you better clean it up. When I dredge stuff up, you better clean it up because that's your opportunity. And all these different things that she saw and it, I, what a tremendous impact it wound up having on me. I mean, not just the song, the storm, but the whole whirlwind album lyrically was inspired by that thought. And then I started thinking about how God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind and all these things I started to notice in the scripture. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that, but that was uh, that's what inspired that lyric. The storm.
cool. Cool. I love that song too. It it it's um it's such a great live song. It gets you know it has a lot of power to it. It gets very kind of emotional. The whole yeah the message of it and and uh, the you know that coming out of the solo that run that Steve does into the chorus is such a cool part. Um, oh yeah, I, I think one of the most powerful moments in Flying Colors history is the moment coming out of the bridge into his solo. Yeah. When Casey goes, let it come, let it go. You know, or is it let it go, let it come? Jeff knows. That's a high watermark for us. And that was, again, one of the maybe third or fourth songs that we ever wrote and recorded together. S- Steve Moore's solos, I, I, I mean, look, he's – possibly my favorite guitar player in the world regardless of even flying colors but he's just soloing on all these songs it's just so tasteful and just so perfect every time he just has a knack for the the perfect notes and the way he does it it's i think he's it's just amazing um and on that song in particular it's just perfect yeah he's he's an incredible artist all the guys are i mean i i hope anything that i said about casey and us writing lyrics, it is very cool and fruitful, and I've learned a lot from Casey. He's he's an incredible artist. Yeah, no, he really is, um, and an awesome singer. Uh, all right, Jeff, yeah. you're you're number four. Okay, my number four, um, the new album, um, and it's Geronimo. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of the things that I really like about Flying Colors are whenever they produce things or they produce tracks where you go you know it's only it's only this combination of musicians that could have could have come up with this I and mean, that's a very obvious thing to, to sound like but that kind of secret sauce factor that um you know that 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 can come and i mean this one even is probably more of a departure for flying colors um, with the kind of Steely Dan, Toto, Chicago type vibe, um, amazing uh, bass part to open it up, and just I remember again hearing it for the first time, and it just was like, "Whoa, what? What's this? This is not kind of how you know how things normally start." And uh, that um, what's that percussion instrument that does the big? <sighs> don't know what it's called. Well, it's called a, a, a vibroslap. Virus slap, yeah, you know, so cool. Um, and then you know you have the chorus where Casey's right up at the top of his register. The band are playing stuff that nearly sound like kind of horn stabs, you know, bam, 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 bam. And Mike's doing that sort of Jeff Picaro shuffle behind things. Um, and I, I just heard it, you know, that's all of the, all of this stuff. Um, and the chorus complete sing along, you know, you, if you ever get round to doing that one live, um, hint, hint for Europe, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can hear, I can hear the crowd singing the, whoa, 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 whoa. and then there's the, the night sky, the middle section, which again becomes very staccato and, um, you know, again, you I actually noticed in a lot of the songs that I picked, and this is the same in the Kansas top five that we did, Roy, that I tend to pick songs that for Kansas, I tended to pick songs that kind of featured both um, Steve Walsh and 
um, Robbie Steinhardt and and the Flying Colors songs. I've noticed that I tend to pick ones where both vocals are featured, and I, I like I like that. In you know, I suppose that reflects my kind of Beatles and you know Paul singing the middle eight type thing, or Queen where Brian May sings a bit in the middle of a song. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that kind of I really like. So uh, yeah, all four. Sure. Okay, uh, I'm going to go to my number four. I'm going to go to the first record, uh, Everything Changes. And we, that, we keep talking about that one. I never paid attention to that food line being anything about vampires, which is very funny now that you mention it. But um, I love—I just always loved this song. Um, possibly my favorite song on, on the first record or one of the one of, of two or three. Um, and for me, it's all about the ending, the the epic ending where Casey holds that one note uh, at the end and you guys are just writing out the chorus. It's just the coolest part to me. Um, I, I love it. I, I got to see this song played live. I think you closed the, fir- the main set with it when you were playing it live on the first tour. And uh, I think it's just an amazingly powerful song. I love the solo. Um, I, I, I mean, it seems like it... That opening part was also like a big Steve Morse thing. Is that did that come from like his type of writing? That that opening part of that song. Man, I'd have to think back. I need to listen to it. I remember. Uh, I remember that Peter Collins did not want us to do that big ending. Hmm. Um, it was one of those things where he was more. He. he you know, a lot of the proggier stuff, he, I don't think he really got it. Um, and I, I remember Mike and, you know, it was it was tough. We didn't know each other very well and we were trying to pick, I was trying to pick my battles, you know. And I think we, I think I went to bat for that one. And uh, he was really funny. Peter was, he, fi- he finally, when he saw that, that we were really going to, we were, standing our ground about that, me and Mike particularly. The other guys were like, oh, I don't know. And me and Mike <laughs> were really standing our ground about that. I remember Peters finally said, all right, make me love it. <laughs> <laughs>
that was the first Flying Colors song that I ever heard. I think it was maybe like on a sampler with um, Classic Rock Magazine or Prog Magazine or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was. And I, I just, yeah, it was, it was good. It was nearly my, I nearly had that as my, my, my first pick because it was my first song and and only only ever played on the first tour as well. There's a uh, there's a somebody did and I don't know who it was, but if I don't know if you've heard it. Somebody put out a symphonic uh, orchestra version of that song. It's like a minute and a half long or something, and it's beautiful. Do you guys ever use that as an opening thing on tour or something? And maybe that's where I know it from. I think maybe we did. That would be a mic question. He would remember exactly. He would know that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. I found it online somewhere. Dates. Dates and hours. <laughs> Here's a mic question for you, Neil. Because um, <laughs> I know you're so into this. What... There are only two songs so far, and this is the fourteenth of October. There are only two songs that Flying Colors have only ever played live once. What are they? You mean like one time ever, or on one tour? Yeah, one time ever. Wow. Well, so far it would, it would be the loss inside. I was going to say that one, right? Correct. And the other one a was a question. cover. Uh. Hmm. In Tilburg? Oh, what did we? Oh, was it? Was it uh, a Deep Purple tune? Yep. <laughs> was it uh, uh, Space Trucking? It was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's after the after the credits on the uh, on the on the DVD, and it's actually I got the vinyl there um, a couple of weeks ago, and it's actually on the vinyl too. Oh, Excellent. Well done. I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Neil, you're up for number three. Number three, I'm going chronological, so I'm going to go on the second record. Um, and uh, I'm going to pick uh, The Fury of My Love. Mm. Um, yeah, I. I, I, I don't remember all the way that, that the music came about on that. I just feel like it's such a powerful song. Mm. You know, um, I remember that uh, I think Kate, those were Casey's verses and B section was from one of his demos. Was the remember when we were young thing and I don't particularly the somewhere in the back of my, your mind was something he had on one of his demos that we really liked. Uh, the chorus and the bridge I think were I think that bridge was there. We had one or two Skype writing sessions, and I think that we had something called "Scary," <laughs> and I think that that was the chorus of this "Scary." So I hope you don't think I'm scary. Da, 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 da. But I think it was faster or something. I don't think it was a slow song. But we wound up. Uh, that was something that Mike had on the, you know, the dry erase board that we wanted to use, and so we used it as a bridge. The chorus of Fury, I remember hearing on the steps of Montmartre in Paris when we were playing there. <laughs> I think I came down the steps and sang a little bit of it into my, into my phone and sang it for Casey. Because Sometimes when you're with a band, their vibe and their, their tone, their voices really get in your head and you start writing things for that project and... Yeah, that's what what happened. I don't know. I don't remember what sparked it, but I remember walking down the steps 
steps and just baby don't worry thing yeah Came cool to my mind That one also has like everything changes for me. The the big epic ending where he just says my love at the end and holds that and you guys close out the song. It's just so great. I, those are my favorite moments. Um, the, uh, the the thing that that song, I think I maybe said this once before. Um, to me, that is a song that is waiting for Bette Midler to cover it. Uh, <laughs> do you remember Neil in Warsfest last year where you did the... Uh, sing one with neil and we got some sort of audition videos in and the and the lady janet who ended up singing shine her audition video was her singing fury of my love in this kind of bet midler style and it was just amazing oh really? <laughs> i don't think i caught that i didn't catch that yeah That's there's funny. there's there's a we, we need to get to her people <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a real showstopper that one live I yeah mean, Casey just you know yeah you're right when he hits that final note and then we played a little loud so it's like that really brings the house down every time very cool awesome uh all right Jeff you're number three number three um second album it's interesting Neil said about um sort of Peter Collins maybe cutting some of the proggier moments or uh, putting pressure on some of the proggier moments on the first album I remember when the the second album came out and sort of thinking mm, this is sort of a little bit more proggy and I hope kind of they don't go too far that direction um, but I got used to it um, but my choice uh, is Cosmic Symphony um, very specifically I can remember listening to the album when the CD arrived in the car and I got lost <laughs> and um, it was a really really I, I can remember this very, very vividly because I remember broadly the area I was. It was an area I don't know so well. It was a really, really sunny day and I was trying to find my way back. Um, and the that searching for the air part came on and I was like, wow, that just the ending of that song. And I you know, played it again and again and again and again. That's something that I don't often do. Um, and eventually I found my way home which is good um <laughs> yeah it was i mean Brit, a showstopper again on the on the tour and at um morse fest this year i suppose you know lyrically as well i think you know there's a lot of 
you know, sort of the universal themes. I think this runs through a few of the the songs. You know, even the storm. You know, and a lot of the sort of flying color lyrics are about you know the journey of lives and about trials and getting through them and finding, you know, finding finding life through trials. And uh, I just think that kind of that song is just, and the ending of it in particular is just a real standout for me. I love the, uh, I mean, the ending, the where Casey has his moment there, pound for pound. I think that might be his best vocal thing he's ever done. It's just so great. Um, but I also like how the structure of that song because it's, it's the proggy song, but it's not the sort of standard way you guys do things with a lot of parts and repeating themes and, you know, that kind of thing. It's sort of three separate, unique so- songs put together. That, that work and, and the way it closes out with the pound for pound part, I think is just tremendous. And live at Morse Fest, it was so good. It was really awesome. It's yeah. Casey, Casey yeah. might walk about. Yeah, it was so good. It's a, it's a powerful part. One of my favorite moments is I love when it gets mellow and Steve starts off the pound for pound part with that real delay mellow guitar thing that he does. Yeah. Oh God, I love that every night. That's like I look forward to that every night. Okay, cool. All okay. right, I'm gonna go to my number three, and uh, I was gonna go Kayla, but I think I'm gonna switch because I was between <laughs> two songs. I'm gonna go uh, Infinite Fire from the first record, and because uh, well, that is the the proggy moment on the first album, and it's got all the the cool parts on there that you would want. Um, uh, you know, I just, the guitar playing, the, you know, Steve's parts in there are, are just super cool. Uh, and then like the, uh, you know, you have the um, the beginning where there's that guitar riff and then in the middle where it goes, it kind of reverses, right? It, it does the, the riff, but it does it kind of backwards. Is that how that, that part is written? You mean the, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's kind of using it in a bunch of different ways. That's yeah. a steep thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I just uh, a tremendous song. And that's one that you guys play all the time. I think it's a total uh, fan favorite. And, you know, I, I liked how with the first record, I mean, I know the part was the, the goal of that first album was to be more sort of on the poppier side and not try to be prog. But you guys threw this kind of in 
for the for the prog fans, you know, which uh, which I thought was cool. I mean, was that one that you had to argue with Peter Collins about putting on? Because sounds like maybe he didn't want to go in that direction at all. There was quite a bit of that stuff that he didn't really get, but he he you know he was cool, you know. He, he was really he he was right about a lot of things. I think that um, as I recall, in Infinite Fire, you know that break. Like, yeah, those chords and the yeah. da, da, da. I think that was his suggestion. Hmm. I don't think there was anything in that before. It just kind of went straight from the verse to the chorus. And I, I believe, if I, if memory serves, that was that was Peter Collins' suggestion. So he brought a lot to the table. to you number two number two all right i'm gonna go on uh to the new album and it's really hard to pick mm-hmm. um but i'm gonna go with last train home Ooh. um that's a steve thing that starts off and then we wrote these kind of verses and the verse and chorus were just written in the room and then we kind of got into this proggy thing about like taking Steve's m- melody there and you know doing it fast on synth and all that and and then it was funny we were we wrote this at Mike's house and uh, I did there was no proper acoustic guitar there so when it, when it landed on this D chord I don't know I started hearing this you know kind of quasi uh, still to Nash ish. Uh, you know, yeah. dummy thing that just, you know, I was so into all that kind of stuff when I was a kid and the beetle stuff and, you know, all, all of that. I just can never seem to get away from it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think the only guitar that he had only had like two or three strings on it. And, <laughs> <laughs> That's so bizarre. And we didn't have a way to hook it up. It wasn't an acoustic or electric or anything. So I remember on the scratch, I just picked that thing up and I just started doing that. And they were like, oh, that's cool. Let's put it down. You know, I started saying, you know, and I'm just like strumming away and I'm just like hacking away. It was just funny. I'm just like hacking away on these this guitar that's got these three strings that like it seemed like it had been at the beach for a really long time. They were like all really rusted. But, uh, you know, and then we just started jamming around on that, and then, and then we wanted to come back to. I think that next part was something from from Casey that 
what he starts singing when we come back out of that. And then uh, getting back into the last train home verse and chorus at the end is really satisfying. And um, Lyrically, um, we worked at Casey and I really worked on that a long time together. And uh, last train home was his, was Casey's phrase. I pretty, I'm pretty sure. Mm. And he looked at it. He was looking it up. He said, man, uh, that seems like such an obvious line. I've been looking all over the internet. I figured there must be thousands of songs called the last train home. But he said, yeah, oddly enough, there, there, I only found like one and it was really, really obscure. So we were glad of that because that, that felt like a really good, you know, it's really the lyrics are more important on these things than I think people realize. Sure. Yeah. You know, the lyric has to serve it. It has to make you feel something. And, you know, uh, and then Casey was really writing. He really took the forefront of writing this lyric, as I recall. Uh, I wrote the weird stuff in the acoustic guitar section, kind of <laughs> channeling my inner Steven Stills, you know, yeah. trying to do the, you know, he was really into that helplessly hoping her harlequin hovers nearby, you know, H words and then D words. And so I got it. Right. I got it. I got into doing that a little bit. Um, but Casey's overall view of this was like, he was felt like he was singing to somebody maybe that was passing and, and trying to assure them that it was going to be okay. Hmm. Yeah. Love that song. Awesome. Great song. Excellent. Very cool choice. Uh, and it leads nicely into my number two, which not pre-planned was Last Train Home. <laughs> right. Oh my god. So, so everything he said, um, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was quite funny. Someone, I, I noticed someone online said, "You know, do you think do you think Neil meant to use all those words that began with H?" <laughs> <laughs> no, he, total accident. <laughs> As as if it might have been a coincidence, but I can, again I can remember I can remember listen, you know who you are with for some reason some things I remember the first time I heard them I can remember I was out walking at lunchtime and that you know that part kicked in and I was just like oh it's Stephen Stills totally you know I I, I got so that yeah. it it made me smile and uh, again not totally not what I was expecting in the middle of a of a song so um yeah no last train home is my number two and uh i i for me it's probably the standout one on the new album um yeah want to hear that live in europe too i knew you were gonna gonna say that (laughs) (laughs) i've actually already put in my request for that one We'll, we'll see the thing is i do not carry a guitar i just thought of this i don't carry a guitar i couldn't play casey's because he's a lefty Oh yeah, I'd have to bring a, an acoustic guitar just for that song, and there's only four shows. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Come on, bring <laughs> <laughs> me one. <laughs> Done. So if he gets to hear that song live, he'll drive you a guitar over. Are you kidding? That's uh, yeah, for the DVD or something. You know. Uh, wow. Well, this is a. Uh, this is pretty amazing. I think this is the the first time this has ever happened, um, where last train home is going to be a, a straight through a choice. So it's my number two as well. And wow. yeah, I was gonna swap it out. I was thinking at the last minute, but screw it. I love that song. I'm going with it. Um, and it's a sign. 
Yeah, yeah, I think yep. it's a sign that it should be added to the set list. Three out of three. <laughs> three out of three. So yeah, wow, that's never happened. Okay, but cool. Yeah. Why not? Well, let's do it. Um, okay, let's swing over, Neil, to your number one. My number one then would be, man, this is really hard too. Yeah. But um, would be you are not alone. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Any one of my favorite things to hear on this planet is Steve Morse doing his his harmonic. Oh, is that the coolest thing yeah. ever? It really is. <laughs> I don't know how he does it so perfectly all the time, but it's it's just so beautiful. And uh, I had this idea. I think I, I wrote the framework for this in a, a morning before one of the sessions down at Steve's in Florida. And um, there was quite a lot, bit of controversy about it. Because there was three, we recorded three different versions, one with no key changes, one with some key changes, and one with like a lot, like so many key changes, I thought that it was almost funny. And <laughs> then uh, when we got together at Mike's, we were listening to everything, listening and making final decisions. And essentially, to be honest, I voted against the ver current version. Mm -hmm. I thought it had too many modulations in it. Um, now I just love it. It just is what it is. But uh, I was actually voted down. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> and we went with the version that we have now. But uh, it doesn't really matter because I think that the, the sentiment of the lyric, and I think it's so cool that Casey brought in the whole thing about his experience in the hurricane, yeah, helping people out of the hurricane and uh, all of that. It just makes it such a powerful song. And um, I think it's just classic Flying Colors. One of my favorite things in Flying Colors is just a, I, I like to just listen to Casey play acoustic guitar and sing and just vibe. Just you know, That's how a lot of the – some of the slower pieces started, like Peaceful Harbor started because – we were just sound checking in case he was just vibing out with his, you know, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
I got the phone out and recorded it, you know. And I, I so I just love the whole. I, I think that's one of the real signature things about Flying Colors is just the whole vibe that Casey does. And I, you know, I love all the playing from Mike and Dave and, and Steve and me and everything. But for me, that's the, really the centerpiece. And I think You Are Not Alone is one of, one of the best for, for that. Through the raging How does the the process for flying colors? I mean, is it quite different from say Neil Morse band Transatlantic? It seems just from kind of the demos you've put out in Inner Circle and stuff like that that probably for some of those other projects the demos are more fully formed. But flying colors seems to be more. Each song might be lots and lots of little fragments, or do you come with? with stuff shaped out it seems maybe less of that i've learned to not come with things shaped out yeah it seemed like it's better in flying colors for me to not bring anything that's too formed it just seems like it works better to have a partial idea and i don't know if that's because i get attached to my ideas or or if that's just the way that particular kettle of fish is it seems like if something's too formed they kind of shy away from it a little bit yeah, yeah. you know and uh that's cool i'm you know it's like any relationship you learn <laughs> right <laughs> you learn what, what what works and what doesn't work with these with this group of people and and so it's great it's a lot less work for me i don't have to like you know spend a week doing demos or anything like that. I'll just have these little fragments and it works, works out amazing. It, it really is a unique listening experience because as a fan of each member's separate things, I can listen to it and it almost, it's like, oh, here's the, you know, here's the Steve Morse band part. Oh, here's the Neil Morse part and here's the Casey part. And you can sort of, <laughs> you can sort of kind of play all these things in your head. And I know sometimes it ends up being the opposite that the person you thought wrote something didn't write something but at least as a fan it's sort of it's a really cool sounding experience to to listen to some of these songs because you really hear everybody's contribution it's it's unlike a lot of bands i think it's very cool yeah it's really cool isn't it yeah you hear the like geronimo starting with the whole bass thing and you know uh and mike brings so much to the table as far as uh 
you know, picking and choosing and gleaning and arranging and, um, you know, his contribution is, is amazing as well. But, you know, we're all a little different in each group. You know, Mike and I aren't the same in Flying Colors. If you see us live, we're not the same. You know, right. you don't, it's like, yeah. it's, you're trying to be appropriate to each situation and find out what it wants to be and serve that, that thing. You know, one of the challenges for me in Flying Colors is to not be the Korean drummer. <laughs> I tend to rock out pretty heavy. If you've seen the, the Korean drummer. Video, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I tend to get, I'm just, I naturally just, ever since I've been alive, I just get really into music and I, and it shows, you know, but it's inappropriate to be the guy in the back, you, you know, because it's going to draw attention away from, from Casey, whereas whether, which is where a lot of the time the attention should be on Casey or Steve, because they're yeah. the ones, the ones, you know, he's singing the song and Steve's taking the solo usually, you know? And, uh, so it's cool to try and learn that. And, and, uh, you know, be in a different position and learn how to be in that position. And I really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's great. Uh, okay. Well, that was great. Nice five picks there, Neil. Awesome. Um, let's see what Jeff has for his number one. Number one. Um, it was an easy number one pick for me. Uh, Peaceful Harbor. Um, so, again, another another song. Hymn-like. Um about finding kind of answers in a time of weakness again, the sort of the the peaceful harbor from the storm. Um, again, lots of that second verse with those Steve Morse harmonics that we've talked about, the sort of the fairy dust that that kind of comes before then the lead guitar kicks in with the boom, 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 and then the again back to the vocals. One of the things I meant to say earlier on is like. Flying Colors is, d despite the kind of shred credentials of so many of the people, it's an incredible vocal band. Um, we're talking about everything changes, not ending section of it, the harmonies in it, and then, um, you know, in this song, Casey singing the first verse, Neil singing the second. I love, I just love the harmony in that third verse. The all in deep despair come feel the air in its full finale. I love, just love that. Such a powerful part. And I, my, and then the choir comes in and there's that kind of just completely breathtaking, um, I suppose Pink Floyd-y type ending. I've, I've talked about a few moments that I associate with songs and there's one for this because you mentioned, Neil, that I'll not try to sing it, but the do 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 bit I can't sing it that high. Um, I can remember the first Flying Colors gig I went to, and I flew over to London for that, and had been around doing stuff all day. And then I think there was a support band, and by the time Flying Colors came on, like my legs were, <laughs> were ready to give way. <laughs> and at one point, part way through the show, I went, I'm gonna have to go and find. Like, it was a standing venue, so we weren't in seats, and I found. I walked down and stood again. I actually got to the back wall and sat down in the ground. And it was at that part in the show where Casey had like a solo spot where I think he sang Hallelujah, the Leonard Cohen song. But he began it with that. 
And I remember just sit, finally getting relief from sitting down and then hearing this angelic voice going. And it was like, oh yeah, that was that was my healing at that point in time. <laughs> so I always I always kind of associate the start of that song with sitting on the floor uh, in in um in I can't remember what venue it was in London, but yeah, no, I love that song. Uh, fantastic at Morse Fest again this year. Just um, great song. Love like heaven's wind No, I can see How it blows in the darkness Fear may freeze our steps Loss and regret Every scar turning scarlet Help to set your course Through sightless days And violent waters Love Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad it made the list because I know a lot of people really like that song. So good choice, uh, Jeff. And live, yeah, it's tremendous live, really. And uh, yeah, Morse Fest was amazing. Um, okay, so I'm last, my number one. Um, this was an easy choice for me because it's my favorite song by the band. Uh, but I, I mean, I love so many. But this one just, the first album I loved and it was great. And if I wanted you guys to see on the second album to see if there might be a little bit more sort of proggy stuff there. And from the very first song, I was like, this is perfect. So I'm going open up your eyes <laughs> with my number one because <laughs> I just love that song. It's just it just kicks so much ass. Um, all the different parts. I love that main melody line. It's actually my ringtone on my phone. That's how much I like the song. <laughs> wow. And, hey. uh, <laughs> you know, that's had to be said. And, uh, no, but I, I, I like it goes through so many transitions. And then there's that part towards the end where it kind of gets sort of really kind of grungy, which is, you know, kind of slows down. And uh, that part's amazing. And then, of course, the last minute or so where it's just a shred fest, um, which uh, I, I think is just awesome. So... Uh, you know, I hope, you know, the band, I think, is trying to find a balance, it seems, with the proggy stuff and the and the pop side. The new album, I think, is maybe the perfect balance, it seems, of what you guys want to do with, like, Last Train Home, kind of doing that. Is opening up your eyes maybe just too proggy for the band in general, you think, or... No, I don't think you know, so. Who, who knows? I don't think so. I mean, we opened that tour with that song, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Remember that we only got we, – we were all trying to get that uh, shreddy part at the end right. I think we finally got it right in Paris. I remember we, <laughs> afterwards we all went, man, we finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> we were struggling to play that correctly together uh, the whole tour. It was but it's really cool to uh, – 
uh, every now and then I'll, you know, when my phone rings, because usually it's on vibrate, but when it does ring, it's you hear that's the part. So <laughs> <laughs> I hear that song every day, basically, is what I'm saying. Well, um, great. No, I love that. I love that song. Interesting that we, we kind of have avoided the um, more mask machine shoulda, coulda, woulda, the heavier side of the band. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. It's either kind of ballady or proggy it sort of seems like um but uh i've i've been noticing that my favorite i think i said that to my wife recently you know my favorite songs in this show are all the really slow ones like peaceful harbor and and i guess that makes sense with who i am maybe you know and where i am in my life but um i do i I just want to go on record as saying like i really like a lot of the really rocking ones like i love shoulda coulda really i wish we were playing you know i i uh I really like the mask machine honestly is one of my favorites. You know, we're closing the gigs with it. It's a great closer for sure. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good closer. I understand the purpose of it. Personally, it's not one of my favorite ones, but I, I like some of the heavier songs, you know, and I, I like the heavy songs from this record, like more yeah. and loss inside and stuff It's some good heavy riffs, you know, so that, that is definitely an important side to the band as well. Well, I, look, the band brings a lot of different styles. I mean, and it's hard to cover all of it, right? When you're doing one show. Um, I mean, you could do a whole concert of not the songs we chose, and I, it would be awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. it would, you know, yeah. it would be great. As long as it so, had us train home. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um, no, but look, this, says, this band probably says more about our, you know, personal taste than the rest. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. For me, it's a great. It's just the greatest mix of talent and songwriting and you know musicianship uh, you could put together. So I'm I'm thrilled with all the all the albums and new album especially. Thank yeah. you so much, Roy. I appreciate it, man. That's great. Yeah. Um, all right, man. We will let you go. Thank you again for letting us uh, distract you for an hour. I hope it was a good time. It was. Uh, well, thanks for all the stories. You can edit me down if I talk too much, man. That- no, it was fine. <laughs> Boy, I can talk. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, well, I've got to do this interview. You know, we we're going to talk about our favorite five blind color songs. And I, frankly, I was a little tired today. Like Mondays, my weekends are pretty busy. And Mondays, sometimes I'm a little tired. And she just looks at me and goes, well, don't worry about it. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, uh, this was a blast. It's always fun to, to do these things. And, uh, and actually having you two on together to do this was a, a thrill for me. So. Uh, all right. Uh, I, again, anybody that doesn't know or hasn't picked up the album, uh, Flying Colors uh, Third Degree is out now. And then uh, you guys will be over in Europe in December. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And you can get, all right, the, cool. so, you can get those at uh, RadiantRecords.com. So. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, check out the Waterfall app. We should throw out a shout out to that for yeah. anybody who wants to check out some music. Waterfall streaming, and, um, I think it's WaterfallStreaming.com is the landing page. Yep. And uh, it's a it's a streaming app and you can stream all the flying color stuff and all of my stuff and all the transatlantic stuff and Spock's beard and whatever. Oh, one more quick question yes. uh, that I had to ask you. Um, so Waiting for the Sun is just the awesomest song. And uh, I hadn't heard it till like two weeks ago. Um, how close was that to making the album or was it a last minute cut or what, what sort of happened there with that song? Well, you know, we, uh, as Mike has said, we didn't want to have an album that was, you know, uh, you know, too long. 
and I think I think the material altogether wouldn't fit on a CD. So we knew we had to cut something. We wanted to cut two songs and be around 60 minutes or a little less than that. Uh, but everybody has loved everything too much. And, uh, <laughs> so Waiting for the Sun was one that everybody agreed they could live without. I'm glad you like it so much. That's great. Yeah, so that's on the bonus disc, which if you have get the uh, deluxe version that's on there, so everybody check that out, and I'm sure maybe it's somewhere for people to hear. Um, all right. Anyway, that'll be that. All right, guys. Have a good night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Roy. Thanks, Jeff. Take care, Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.